Hello out there. I'm Whitney. And I'm Will. And you're listening to Yelling About Superheroes. So the weekend before we released our first episode, the two of us had the idea to head out to C2E2, the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo. We wanted to see what was happening at the expo, get some ideas for things to talk about, and even get some networking in with our first episode about to drop. We recorded this episode in a few parts, some of it in Chicago at the convention itself, and all of it using my phone instead of Whitney's thanks to some technical difficulties. The audio quality is going to be a little variable, and for the first seven minutes or so, we have a recording we made on the show floor with the background noise that entails. Thanks for bearing with us, and next week we'll be back with a standard episode with some better audio quality. So, okay, we just finished up eating fairly terrible pizza at C2E2. So do we want to just, like, recap the Marvel New Media panel? That we went, technically, is the Marvel House of Ideas panel that we went to just now. It's basically, they're talking about a bunch of, like, podcasts and YouTube shows that they're doing. And they are doing a bunch of them. I only knew that, like, three of them existed about a week ago, and there were even more that they had just introduced or were about to introduce that I had no idea about. Yep. They announced uh, Eat the Universe. Oh my god, that actually sounds like legitimately so fun. I love um, it. It's a Marvel-themed cooking show. It seems yeah, like an amazing idea. I want to be on it. Honestly, that's that sounds so cool. Although the Venom's tongue dish that they showed looked a little bit gross. Well, Which is, I feel like is kind of the point of Venom anyway, so... Yeah, yeah. So there was that. They had a couple people who were on, involved in the podcast Wolverine: The Long Night, yes, which I which, guess is uh, uh, yeah, which I have listened to. Um, they have five episodes out right now, with I guess a sixth releasing out of ten on Monday, and so that was the part I was really excited about. I was just like hardcore geeking out about it. It does sound pretty cool. Yeah, and they talked about the process that went into it, and oh my god, the writer for this podcast has the deepest like baso profundo voice you would ever hear in your freaking life like i'm I'm surprised he didn't voice wolverine although richard armitage really does an amazing job like you know i never thought wolverine's habit of saying bub would sound anything other than incredibly comics and cliched but it actually sounds convincing when richard armitage says it so that should speak volumes (laughs) haha volumes get it because it's a podcast that was terrible and anyway yeah and the director was also there he did a lot of the really cool sound design for yeah they played a couple of clips it sounds pretty cool we yeah although it, they are to it into, a, into an episode on it at some point yeah that, that'd be a really good idea I would be game for that yeah no, and there it, were a couple of other shows that they talked about it's like the women of Marvel podcast which we technically started listening to a little bit on a car ride over here yeah and um, then it kind of didn't but had to do navigation and stuff but it's fine and a couple of other like general discussion and newsy related podcasts yeah, yeah, much more news-oriented and also comics-oriented. I feel like they're really focusing on the comics section of the business. Does that I sound like an accurate just, assessment? that's just where most of the actual content by sheer volume is. That is fair. That you know, is like, fair. I think it was Women of Marvel who has had like Christian Ritter on for the... Right. Yeah. For the Jessica Jones and stuff. So yeah, and then oh yeah, and then on. Lorraine Sink, who I believe hosts, she hosts Earth Earth's Mightiest Show, right? Yeah. No, and so they do branch out to TV and stuff like that. But it's really, I think you're right in that a lot of the content available to talk about is in comics. So yeah, I'm looking forward new. to seeing what other story-based shows might come out of this like podcast universe if they expand. Yeah, on that. we were just talking about this yesterday. I think Darcy Lewis would have a great comedy podcast in the MCU. I also think 
God, that's loud. Christine Everhart deserves her own podcast because she's just gotten paid such short shrift in the MCU. And she yeah. could get that like anyway. weird miniseries, but uh, she deserves more. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, that was, I think, most of that particular panel. Yeah. Although know, the exciting part is that uh, they had a Q&A session at yeah, the end, right? Yeah, you asked a great question about, what was it? Yeah, it was sort of, I didn't want to be so pretentious as to use the term medium specificity in the context of this panel, but I basically asked Brendan Baker, the director, and Ben Percy, the writer, what quirk or constraint or concept of audio drama as a genre did they not really get to play around with in this season, if you want to call it that, of Wolverine the Long Night, and what would they really want to play around with should Marvel do future, you know, audio drama podcasts? And I think Brendan mostly answered that question. I was kind of focusing on nodding and looking attentive, I won't lie. Yeah, I kind of talked a little bit about, like, early diving into the Wolverine as a character's psyche and stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of precedent for that. I think Serial does what it can on that front, even though it's ostensibly a journalist's podcast. And also, I haven't really gotten around to listening to much of this yet, but The Bright Sessions is a really well-known audio drama podcast Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. the concept is basically like supernatural therapy. So I think that would be a really cool concept to explore in the Marvel Universe. They should get Lauren Shippen on that, honestly. Yeah, I kind of would like to see something maybe that involves the heroes more directly. Apparently Wolverine in this one is almost like a not a background character but somebody who's kind of more mystified and yeah, he's exactly. not really the and, main character yeah and Ben Percy did say outright that their intent was to re-mystify Wolverine I guess precisely because he's been so prominent in the X-Men cinematic universe if you he's, want to call it that Wait, yeah, so it makes sense I, I think for Wolverine, Wolverine overall has gotten a little bit overexposed but I think it they yeah. does all they know, stuff I with think, him yeah and I think it would be interesting to see how they would approach things with different characters with different genres and stuff yeah 100% okay so, but um, yeah, no, the point with that, with me asking that question, was that they had two Marvel Unlimited Plus boxes to give away to the people who asked the two best questions, and I got one of them, so I guess we're going to yeah. do some sort of unboxing thing to figure out what the hell is in this box. We opened it briefly, like, near the very end of the panel, but then we had to skedaddle, so let's get this thing open. Maybe we should do that later. Okay, you know what? That's fair. Yeah, let's do it when we're back at the Airbnb or something. So yeah, we'll either edit yeah, that in. sorry about that. Maybe we'll edit that in here, or maybe we'll just throw it in on the some, at yeah. some points in this episode so keep listening okay. we right. haven't yet edited this yep. together yeah no we're very much making this up as we go yeah and i think next in a little bit we have the diversity related panel yeah diversity and cosplay which should be fun oh that's cool all right and yeah. we'll check in about that one uh, later afterwards so we're back and we're recording this from our Airbnb because the day ended up being kind of crazy and we didn't really have time to record after each and every single panel we went to. Um, plus our phones died, both of ours, which is really yeah. unlucky. We had a pretty good Saturday after we recorded that last bit. Uh, we have seen a couple of additional panels, which we will cover very shortly. But first, that unboxing thing we almost did earlier and then decided to do later. So we're doing it now. Yep. Right, As so... you mentioned, Whitney won this Marvel Unlimited Plus box. <laughs> which is even better than Marvel Unlimited, which Will actually just has. All right. Uh... So in this box, there's some cool like art on the inside, and I'll have to take a picture of it and post it later. Yeah, it's a um, nice drawing. Well, what's on that letter yeah. first? Oh, yeah, the letter. There's... Yeah, this is the code to actually access the uh, Marvel Limited stuff. Yeah, so I, sh- so I should do that tonight before tomorrow. Because, ha, this thing gets me into the Marvel True Believers panel tomorrow Yeah, morning. I feel like if you just bring in the box, that'll be sufficient. I feel like I should register that, like, just to be absolutely safe. So yeah. we've got a few comics here. There's a 
variant edition of a Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm, these are three different variant oh. edition number ones there's... for what well, looks like a couple different events. Okay, so there's, yeah, so the Guardians of the Galaxy one has Strange and Spidey. These are Avengers. Spidey's leg, that looks like it hurts. I think it's just sort of an angle from beneath him. I don't know, I'm not sure what this is because these are just a bunch of Avengers yes. characters, uh, but the title of the book says Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. All right, that cover might just be entirely unrelated to anything. You know, that's what I'm thinking. And again, I'll take pictures of this and post it. And we later. also have a Spider-Man Two um, with number a one giant picture of Thanos on it. Oh, no sign of either Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. Who would the two Spider-Men be? Oh, would it's be Miles, and Miles okay. yeah. The, it's actually a sequel to the original Spider-Man book, which you might want to read first. Okay, good to know. Um, and, then, and I guess I can with Marvel Unlimited Plus. Ha 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 I swear we're not getting paid for this. Uh, yeah, we're well, seriously not. I'm just way too freaking happy that I asked such a good question at that podcast panel. Yep. Anyways, so in the other variant edition is Edge of Venomverse. And again, I think this is one of those that has like literally nothing to do with the actual story. Oh my god. It's just a bunch of Avengers characters. Can we characters. talk about that? I'm sorry, but tits and ass pose that they put poor Black Widow in? Nobody's back can do that. Nobody's shins can do that. It looks like the most dramatic rendition ever I've seen of when somebody like pulls someone's chair away just as they're sitting down. <laughs> You're not wrong there. Except she somehow had it happen 20 feet in the air. Oh, and Cap just looks really angry at Tatala for some reason. Like it kind of... Yeah, I'm not sure what this art was for, but I don't think it was Edge of Venomverse. I really doubt it. Because there is no yeah. sign of Venom anywhere on it. Yeah. But I guess that's how variants work, right? I guess, yeah. So, although the other variant cover I had, I bought it off um, Chip Zdarsky at the Mrs. Hogg Comics Expo. It was like a Secret Wars variant cover and at least had other Avengers on it. So Yeah, I think it's variable um, how those work. Anyway. Oh my god. Wait, so, what? a Thanos patch... Or okay. he looks completely fucking evil. That's a um, really wide grin. I don't realize Thanos had teeth that wide. I don't need that. Ooh, a Captain America pin and a Spider-Man pin. And Just oh my heads. god, are we kidding? A Tony Stark action figure. Is this... Okay. Is this like to, fully articulated? Can he Yes. Like, oh. To give full context, this is not an Iron Man action figure. This is a Tony Stark in a business suit action figure. Oh, man. He's wearing a very nice gold tie and dark red shirt, which I guess uh -huh. is evocative of his Iron Man suit. I guess so, yeah. He's, yeah, the joints are a little bit stiff, yeah. it seems like. Yeah, no kidding. But. I'm a little afraid to try to move it. That's pretty cute. That's pretty cute. Oh, my God. This is so going on my desk at work. So, okay, yeah. Cute so, pins. yeah, basically, yeah, the pins Fun are going to little Thanos, Thanos patch. patch. I'm not actually kind of building up a collection of patches lately. Um, One of my friends oh. has this jacket that she just irons on or sews patches onto, and it looks really, really good. I should probably acquire myself a jacket expressly for that purpose. That's pretty cool. Oh, my God. Thanos just has the most evil grin. I, I swear to God, words just aren't doing it justice. Yeah, we will post... I think pictures of this all yes. so you can see what we're talking yes, about. Yes, exactly, because I don't think we can describe it. He looks like the adequately. like evil grin that you would see on Calvin's face from Calvin and Hobbes. Actually, you're so right. Yeah, the letter basically just says what was in the box. You'll find a dazzling triptych by comic superstar Chris Stevens. Cool. The oh, these variant covers depict a handful of Earth's mightiest heroes locked in the climactic battle against the greatest. Wait. Oh, the are those? The... Oh my God. Wait. 
Wait, wait, oh, do them together. wait, wait a second. Oh. That's why none of these things make any damn sense. <laughs> oh my god. They're just totally unrelated covers. Oh, okay. We oh, just Oh, we figured it out. We just line them up and <laughs> it, it makes works. a three-part picture. Yeah. Yeah, which is you know, kind of the definition of a triptych. Yeah, um, we'll uh, post so, a picture of that so yeah. you can see how we just didn't notice at all what was going on with this. That's <laughs> okay. pretty great. Yeah, that pretty much does it for the unboxing. Do we want to cover, like, the panels and stuff that we did? Yeah, let's do um, that. Let's do that. Yeah, so, So okay. I think there were two panels that happened. Yeah. Right, right, right. I remember after, how it After the one we already talked about. Yeah, after that one. So we had some time to, like, wander around... And stuff like that. We got lunch, which was when we recorded that other thing. But then we went to this panel about diversity and cosplay that was pretty cool. One of the first people to come on stage for it was this guy cosplaying M'Baku from Black Panther. And holy God, his costume was so good. He very much looked the part. It he was great. He so did. It was phenomenal. Yeah, there, there was... were five total cosplayers. There was that M'Baku, as mentioned. There's the guy playing Lando. Yep. We had a Raven from DC's Teen Titans and a Domino. Right, yeah. The comics Domino rather than the movie Domino. Yeah, and I'm not sure who the fifth person was. Yeah, they had some like black and pink dress type outfit. Yeah. Might have been like an anime character or something. Potentially, yeah, and that's not something we know a lot about. So they basically just like talked about what got them started cosplaying and what their experiences have been. Mostly people saying like positive things to their face, which is good. They did talk a little bit about trolling comments online and most of them just don't care or don't give people the time of day. They all seem to like, have a very positive attitude about the whole thing, which I yeah. think, you know, I guess you really need to have your doing like cosplay or any kind of passion projects like that. Yeah, no, totally. It was interesting to hear like some of the um, guys talking about people who would see their costumes be like, oh, you're black Superman. Yeah. As, and then they're just like, no, I'm just I'm just Superman. It's fine. It's an interesting topic, I guess. They got a great group of voices together on that front, I thought. Yeah, honestly, I wish the microphones had been a little bit louder. Yeah, though. but also we were at the Cosplay Central stage, which is right near everything loud. It was on the con floor. Yeah, the whole time like this panel's going, there's, you know, it's on the con floor <laughs> and there's other people in costumes going around. Yeah, he kept like whispering in my ear, oh my gosh, there's, you know, XYZ over there. Oh my god, somebody was dressed up as a whole-ass Infinity Gauntlet? Yeah, it was... That was great. Just the gauntlet, just walking around. Yeah, and they, they had made the, you know, stones light up or whatever. It was trippy. Yeah, we actually saw a few, like, really cool costumes out there. There were a couple people who were doing really great Killmonger and Shuri. We saw a few black. We saw a few Black Panthers oh. and one Pink Panther. Yeah, no, it was the best couple's costume. Uh, the guy was Black Panther. The girl was, you know, Pink Panther. It was so good. Yeah, was... yeah, it was like Black Panther's look basically, except on a woman wearing it, and it was like colored pink. pink. I saw a Samus with lights in her costume and everything. A few Overwatch characters all over the place. That was cool. They had an Overwatch voice actors panel, which we did not go to because I have no idea what. Overwatch even is. And because we had another thing to get to at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah. it was, it seemed cool. Yeah. So yeah, and... anyway, and the cosplayers on this panel to sort of like cycle back to that, they were really, really encouraging. Oh yeah. All, you know, you gotta start somewhere if you want to cosplay them. <laughs> Lando was like, it is totally okay to just like buy your costume if that's where you need to start. Which, yeah. you know, Encourage... me sitting there in a crappy $30 Wonder Woman costume, I'm like, 
Thank you. Yeah. Actually, we haven't talked about like our own things. Yeah, no, we haven't. Yeah, because you had a $30 Wonder Woman <laughs> costume, costume which was not the greatest quality, but... I wasn't willing to pay much more than $30 yeah. for it, let's and be And we real. did do a little bit of, like, stitching and DIY and stuff. Yeah. A few little adjustments. Yeah. You know, it's, I think, a fun start. You yeah. can probably see photos of it on... On my Instagram. I had a funny little Steve Trevor <laughs> get-up. No, it didn't work. So yeah. just, like, he, he already had olive jeans and a sweater that would suit the purpose just fine. Yeah. So yeah, so that was all like the cosplay stuff. And then did we go pretty much straight up to the yeah, CB Sibolsky panel? It was just this two-person panel where... Uh, Scotty um, Young was yeah, the other guy, right? Yeah, him and Scotty Young just talked about like some of Sibolsky's history in comics overall and with Marvel, where he's been with the company and... Yeah, he's a been little bit. all over, honestly. I was kind of yeah. shocked to hear how much he's traveled the world, not even just with Marvel, just in general. He lived in Japan for like three years. Yeah, he's been in different places and he's done yeah, different no stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, he talked about doing the once Disney acquired Marvel, visiting Disney offices around the world and doing the Marvel 101 talk and it going from a single lecture to a whole day or two day or three day thing. It was kind of crazy. This seems interesting. Honestly, I don't know entirely what the role of editor chief entails and he did say it's not something that really comes with a job description yeah that's true that's true it's interesting i would have enjoyed hearing more about where he might want to take marvel's future direction but it sounds like he doesn't necessarily have that decided yet which i'm okay with him being a lot more deliberate about that yeah. he talked a lot about like being the kind of leader who wants to be in the trenches alongside the creative and editorial teams as well yeah so i, I, I feel like he's probably going to figure out what direction the company needs to go and how to use their existing talent the most effectively through that sort of immersion, I guess. Yeah. And that he said they like talked, the best way to figure that out. Yeah, they talked a little bit. Apparently, like, Sibulski, um has had a pretty significant history of working with and, like, recognizing good talent and writers and artists of various kinds and editors. If he does take that focus into his role as editor-in-chief, then I think focusing on having really good creators is... Yeah. I mean, really, that's, I guess, the entire that's, premise of what they want to be doing. But Yeah, rather than comics as just IP or springboards for movies, which is definitely something they absolutely brought up, comics as sort of a start and end point, like making good comics first. Yeah. Which is, I think, definitely a good thing to focus on. It's interesting just the sheer quantity of comics that they make, because relative to the TV and the movies, which are more expensive, and I think get a lot more attention versus the comics, which story by story, they have so much more of that coming out than anything else. So I guess that is kind of always going to be where the core of the company is. Yeah. Yeah, I can it's, see that. Yeah. I mean, again, this is all stuff Yeah, even though, like, financially coming, like, speaking, the scales are definitely, like, tipped in the other direction, which is a really interesting oppositional thing to have. I mean, this is all just third-hand us kind of talking According about... According to you, what they said in this panel and stuff. Yeah. So I would say definitely don't expect anything we're saying to be Marvel's next business plan because... No, definitely not. We... I wish I knew. We know very little of what we're talking about. Yeah. I wish I knew <laughs> Realistically. I wish involved more podcasts because... Oh my god, you, you guys would seriously not believe how good The Long Night is. If you haven't listened to it, it's too sad. so good. I'm going to take a listen to it as well when I have the chance. Like I mentioned before, I think it would be really cool to see more narrative 
story podcasts mm-hmm. coming out of Marvel and as well as, you know, out of DC and whoever else. It could be really interesting to have like a Superman related podcast by somebody from the Daily Bugle doing some kind of news. Daily Planet. The Daily Planet was some kind of news thing. Yeah, you know, I had that thought too, like just news podcasts about superhero related stuff. I don't remember if I mentioned earlier that I think Christine Everhart totally deserves a podcast. You did but, mention yeah, that. Okay, yeah, I, I thought I did, but yes, yeah. she does. I wouldn't mind, I don't know how much this even exists in narrative podcast stuff, because the Wolverine one has the framing device of these two FBI agents who are investigating a murder and... A series interv- of murders, yes. Yeah, and interviewing suspects and stuff, and that's seems yeah. like it's kind of the primary thing for the podcast you know yeah. it's the framing and, device yes. yeah and they're having like flashbacks to the actual events of things mm-hmm. uh, but you know it's audio content and it's all got this setup where the characters are recording interviews or doing radio broadcasts and that's what we're hearing but i think it would also be interesting to see something that doesn't necessarily have that wrapper around it and just being an audio form of some story without necessarily needing to have some excuse for it to be an audio recording although i think that's also an interesting conceit to play with i've had this idea in my head for some essay for ages about how various web series justify the presence of the camera yeah so it'd be a similar thing and it'd be an interesting, interesting way of like playing with something that talked about in the panel earlier was sort of audience complicity making the audience an active participant by Brendan Maker was mostly talking about that in terms of using surround sound to draw the audience yeah in. that was but I think it was like, wasn't just that though because he was talking about how even just through the audio thing people form really vivid right, images yeah. of the setting and the environment that they're telling their stories yeah in, yeah that's which true, is that's true interesting and I guess really cool and probably just mean that they're doing a great job of setting the mood. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would completely agree with that. Um, The sound design for this is just beautiful. It's so good. But yeah, so I feel like we've pretty much covered the Cebulski panel pretty adequately. Yeah, honestly, there was a lot of interesting anecdotes, but not a whole... Backstory. Yeah, but it's not a whole lot of particularly new or unusual things. Yeah, very much like just an origin story rather than future directions for Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, cool to listen to, but not a whole lot to really talk about there. Yeah. Let's yeah, see. and then we, we also... just like went down to the con floor again to like check out. Yeah, there were a couple of other panels we've been looking at, but by that point we were kind of paneled out for the day, I think. And hungry. And hungry. But yeah, yeah. No, that pretty much covers it. I th- yeah, we could talk about the booths a little bit. We passed by... The Marvel booth. They had this giant Infinity War poster, and I looked over, and I had this, like, split-second image series my retina of the Avengers Infinity War logo on the bottom, and then some big figure of Thanos, I think, in the middle. I don't surrounded. actually remember. They've released a few different poster designs. Yeah, so. yeah. And like like we've mentioned before, I am trying to avoid... Again, <laughs> you'll, you'll be listening to this after Infinity War, but I have been trying to avoid any and all... Sp- Potential spoilers. Yeah, not even just spoilers, but just like, like any material posters, images. So yeah, C three two is a trailers. bit of a minefield, honestly. Yeah. So I saw one guy who was dressed up in that hideous Spider-Man outfit from the end of Homecoming. Oh my god. And I'm a little bit worried that that'll end up being an Infinity War. Yeah, again, capacity, I don't which remember. That was a really like ridiculous, over-designed Spider-Man outfit, and I really thought that it was deliberately like that. To show that, oh, this is overdoing it because Spider-Man's not really ready for slash doesn't need to be an Avenger at this point. But, 
you know. Yeah. Again, I don't, I don't know, but like the other possibility is that not everybody thinks it's as ugly as you do. I don't know. It's kind of like the Iron Spider outfit, but it's also, I think it's got too much going on for Spider-Man, honestly. Fair. It just seems a bit much, you know? Yeah. That's just me. And I think the fact that it's first presented as, no, Peter doesn't actually need that and he knows it. I think the visuals of the costume kind of support that. But that aside, what yeah, what we can talk about like, your Oh, we stopped Geeks by the, out. yeah. My friend Michelle does PR for Geeks Out. Oh, she's PR for a lot of things, including like FlameCon. And we stopped by their booth so I could say hi to her because we were just Twitter mutuals until mm-hmm. today. And it's, it's always so fun to meet internet friends in person. That's when cool. I met RJ for the first time, my friend RJ Lackey in Toronto, we just hawked each other's ears off for like hours. It was so fun. Yeah, no, so we didn't have much time to spend at the Geeks Out booth, but I bought a t-shirt that says just says strong female character and it's great and i'm actually wearing it right now and it's super soft i really like it yeah and geeks out is i guess just a general like lgbtq like geek organization so i mean yeah i think that pretty much like sums up i think for the first day yeah we'll have more to talk about tomorrow yeah definitely we'll be sketching a few more panels we're gonna be roaming around the con floor hopefully talking to more people about the podcast yeah yeah, which we did i mean we passed out some business cards today all right so we're i guess signing off for now yep this is yelling about superheroes on site in chicago so hello again from madison we were going to try to record a like day two recap of c2e2 last night but we were incredibly tired when we got back to Madison. So it is Monday night after C2E2 and we're just recording this recap now. Yep. So we've got a couple of panels that some of us went to. Yeah, because I won that box that we... The Marvel Unlimited Plus box. Yeah, that we unboxed for you guys, I guess earlier in the episode at this point. I was able to get into the Marvel True Believers panel which I actually cannot report on in mega super detail or really any detail. I think I tweeted about it a little bit. There's some exciting stuff going on, some really cool artwork especially. And while I have no doubt that the comics knew specifically, and there was a lot of it because this is very much a comics-focused event in general, would have meant more to Will. It was still interesting to hear about what was going on. It was cool to be in the same room as Mark Wade. We ended up missing his 50 Answers in 15 Minutes panel the day before, so I was just, oh my goodness, I'm in the same room as Mark Wade. This is pretty cool. Who else was on that panel? Jim Zub, I know. Um, Humberto Ramos, who I want to say does work for, like, Spider-Man? He illustrates for some Spider-Man book, I think. I'm not sure. Ryan Panagos was going through all their, like, qualifications, and yeah, they, I, honestly, it kind they, of went over my head a little bit. Yeah. Honestly, they both sound familiar to me, but I am not super up to speed on a lot of comic creators, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, like I said, it would have been more significant for you to hear about this stuff, probably, but it's fine. I got a free Marvel Unlimited subscription out of it. I'm not complaining, to be perfectly clear. Yeah. Um, I've been piecing together recommendations that she used to read for a while now. Yeah, definitely. So there was that. That was cool. And And then should we just skip to the other panel that we attended? I mean, yeah, because I think that was like pretty much back to back. While I was still in the True Believers panel, Will was lining up for the Women of Marvel panel. So I went to join him after True Believers got out. Yeah, and the Women of Marvel panel was pretty cool. They recorded it as a podcast episode, 
So if and I you think it's going to be dropping uh, this Thursday in you know current time. So it will have already aired by the time this episode airs. Yeah. I actually asked a question in the Q&A sections. What was the question you asked? Well, my question was like a little more directed at Judy Stevens since she was a little more connected with the Marvel New Media team. But I asked what Marvel female character she or I guess any of the panelists would want to give a podcast to. Judy's answer was Mystique, and I'd be really intrigued as to what a Mystique podcast, like an audio drama, which is the specific genre I was asking about, what that might constitute. Yeah, Mystique would be really interesting. I don't know how familiar you are with her, honestly. I don't think we've talked about so, the I mean, X-Men characters somewhat I've seen pretty much all the X-Men movies except for Apocalypse, so yeah. I do know who she is, and I do know something about her history. Honestly, it seems especially interesting to me the prospect of an entirely audio production about a character whose primary power is physical shape-shifting. I was just gonna say that. That would be interesting to play with. It might be a bit of a struggle to voice act all that. She can shift her voice too, correct? I'm pretty sure she can, yeah. Yeah, and so that could be interesting. Yeah, I honestly am much less familiar with Mystique than I feel like a lot of people yeah. are. I think yeah. she's a pretty popular character as far as the X-Men characters go. Mm -hmm. But the entire X corner of the Marvel Universe... I enjoy it, but I'm less familiar with it than the Avengers side of things. And Mystique, I like a lot of the X-Books and I've read some of them. She's but Mystique... mystical to you. <laughs> but Mystique is a character I've not seen very often in most of the stories I've been reading. That's fair. There um... was some other cool stuff on that panel. There was... The rest of the cast of the panel, there was, I'm terrible with names, but there was one editor and... Yeah, like a special projects editor, Jen Greenberg, I think was her name. I'm yeah, fairly terrible she, with I think she's. Well. She said she worked on mostly like getting the trades together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I have no idea what sort of work would go into that necessarily. But the other three were various types of artists, and one of them was a writer as well as an artist. It was very illustrator-heavy panel, I would say. Yeah, honestly, I've always been a little more interested in writing, so I would have liked to see some more writers, just because, I mean, the artists were really cool, and we saw some really cool stuff with that. Yeah, But no, I from... definitely tend to care a little bit more about the story side yeah, of things. Yeah, no, I will say, honest. from one of these writers, Jen Bartel, we actually swung by her booth later, and she was selling these stickers with, I guess, her original characters on them that said, Space is Gay, and I definitely bought one. It was great. Yeah, I guess we'll put that up in the swag album. But yeah, definitely. Whenever we um, get around to posting that. Yeah, I guess something that I really appreciated about the panel... Okay, I kind of wish they had confronted issues of sexism a little. I wish they'd been a little more, like, head-on about that, almost, because even just the way some of these male artists still draw female characters is pretty um, not super amazing. And yeah. I would have liked to hear, especially the illustrator's perspectives. I mean, we kind of did. It was never presented as any sort of purposeful undermining of the way female characters have been drawn in comics for so long. I won't say they went quite that far with it. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably have to be very careful about yeah, and what they really can talk about there. Yeah, and I'm probably just being unfairly academic about it all. There's a flip side to that statement, and I will say it was nice to have a panel of all women where it wasn't just about them being women in comics. Like, Judy asked a lot of questions about their craft in general. Yeah, and I mean, I think, that you was know, cool. I really did appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I think you could have just had that as a panel under just artists of Marvel or 
whatever and the content of the panel would have still like made sense yeah man that'll be the day when there's just a completely ostensibly gender neutral panel about character design in marvel comics or something and all the illustrators and all the inkers and colorists out there just so happen to be women that will be the day yeah it's interesting you know because it's cool that they are the women specifically have that particular venue because half their panels we saw were just all dudes and you know it's not like the men of marvel panel it's just because there's i think a lot more men in prominent positions there which yeah i actually was looking up stats during the panel and i want to say the percentage of women creators at marvel comics or at least in 2017 was around 17 percent which is Better than it has been, certainly, but still not amazing by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and that's not to dump on any of the male creators out there, because there's a lot of very talented dudes, and we heard from Scotty Young, and Mm -hmm. you heard from Mark Wade, and all Mm -hmm. that, and they're great guys, and they do great work. Yeah, and they're hiring a lot of great outside talent as well. Like, I'm really excited for Ta-Nehisi Coates' Captain America story. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of there's that much great male talent. Surely there's a lot of female talent that with this relatively low proportion is going unnoticed or Mm -hmm. just uninvolved when they could have a lot to contribute as well. Yeah. It's difficult, I guess, to not set it as a boys versus girls thing. Which is, you know, kind of productive and cis-sexist to begin with. And there's non-binary representation in comics is probably a whole other conversation that we are not qualified to have. But I just wanted to get that out there. I will say this is one area in which I really hope that C.B. Sabolsky could make a difference. I can't remember if we mentioned this in previous recordings or if we were just talking to somebody at a booth about it. But he has spent some time in talent management and sort of recruiting yeah, so yeah, I really was... hope he walks into things with an eye to diversify Marvel's ranks. Not even just in terms of gender either, but in terms of race and hopefully sexuality as well. I don't know of any queer creators at Marvel. If you're out there, hit us up. We'd love to have you on the podcast. Yeah, there's a fair chunk of queer characters I could name, but I honestly don't know enough about the creators to... Yeah, I don't either, unfortunately. I uh, don't know any names. So yeah, that's one area where I really, really, really hope CB takes the opportunity to inject some much-needed diversity into Marvel's workforce. Yeah, okay. Pretty much covers that panel, I think. I would say so. Yeah, unless there's something else you wanted to say. Yeah, if you want to hear any more about that, by all means, go download the actual recording of it from Women of Marvel. (laughs) Yeah, because we're just summing it up and you get to listen to the actual panel, which is really cool. Yeah, there's some pretty good stuff in there. And I've been listening to some episodes going from the very beginning of that podcast and Mm -hmm. listening to some of their back episodes. And they've got some pretty cool stuff going on and just listening through all that. Yeah, And the episodes are much shorter than ours. (laughs) Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. So, okay. I want to say we just stuck to the con floor for the rest of our time there. Yeah, we had some wandering around looking at different parts of the floor, talked to a few people in Artist Alley. Um, Um, We had a couple different names, I think, that um, we had some interesting interactions with. Yeah, no, definitely. We had a really great conversation with Amy Chu, and thank you to Christine Villada for, like, sort of introducing us on Twitter. That was it was really great. We ended up having a really great conversation with her. And in particular, one of the things that she had done that neither of us had known about was 
this series of comics for Lion Ford down in St. Louis. Her series is called Summit, right? I think her yeah. the hero is Hang economist. on, we have it stacked up on this pile of our comics here. Yeah, Amy told us to, to actually check out the Lion Forge booth. And we went there and ended up buying, admittedly, issue two of her comic, because I guess I didn't have issue one. Yeah. But basically, queer lady astronaut who gets powers from going into space. Like, we haven't actually read these yet, but we're just going off it's memory It's part here. of a brand being put out by Lionforge called Catalyst Prime, which just based on like, what we saw of it and what Amy Chu was talking about seems like it's a deliberately very diverse collection of superhero stories with some shared universe going on, although without apparently too much crossover at this point. Yeah, not at this point. The sales lady who was telling us more about it, she pointed out that they have the necessary context at the back of every book, the capital E event. And you can basically enter the series at any point and know what's going on. You don't necessarily need to read a bunch of stuff to understand everything else that's going on, which I really super appreciate. Marvel, I love you, but Good lord, I have so much franchise fatigue. I feel like half the bad rap Age of Ultron got, half of it was completely justified, and the other half of it was just that movie having to bear the burden of being the middle installment in an already really saturated movie-verse, so yeah, to speak. that's something I would agree with as far as specifically Age of Ultron, which we will not talk about anymore than we have to because there's a whole other episode about that. Yeah, it's really nice to know that there are sort of up-and-coming options for comic book-based superhero universes that provide a little more accessibility and freshness and diversity. I mean, the diversity thing is definitely something that Catalyst Prime is particularly focusing on, which is cool. Yeah, there was even one of... one of their characters, like in the collection of trades we saw, there's one who has Down syndrome, I yeah, believe. Yeah, and like and... a headlining character with their own book, which is pretty dang cool. Yeah, I mean, I think you're not necessarily giving Marvel enough credit as far as accessibility goes. You know, I think that varies a yeah, lot. Yeah, I will admit I'm probably viewing things from a slightly movie-heavy standpoint, but it's nice that there are alternatives out there. And I would say the same thing about, like, Chapter House and their chapter verse and stuff. We're actually going to do an episode on that, too. Eventually, um, yeah. Yeah, eventually. Yeah, I think for all that DC and Marvel dominate the superhero pop culture landscape, I think it's still important to have these smaller publishers who are contributing new ideas and, you know, in a lot of cases doing things that couldn't necessarily be done at one of the larger companies. Yeah, I completely agree with that. As well as like mid-level, I guess you could say things coming out of groups that are one step below Marvel and DC, like Dark Horse or Image, who have... Their own superhero are... things going on. Does Dark Horse have its own superhero that's going on? I I think don't... they're mostly other pop cultural comics like Walking Dead and Buffy and Korra and stuff. Dark Horse does have its own original properties, but I honestly, now I think about it, I don't know which of those might be superhero. I really don't think they have much in the way of superhero stuff at all. Yeah, I mean, Im I could Image list off... Image is a slightly different story. They do have The Wicked and the Divine, which is at least superhero tangential. I, I mean, say. I could list off a bunch of superhero franchises, like Invincible and that whole universe, but I don't actually know off the top of my head which companies uh, those come from. 
All right, in the interest of time, we are going to skip over most of the merchandising stuff for now, but Whitney's going to put pictures of everything up on Instagram with a little bit of blurbs on what those are. Mm-hmm. Um, so y'all can check out the stuff that we've got Scored. from there. Yeah. Rather than just listening to us talk about it for however long. Yeah, we talked to Amy Chu, who was very friendly. Yeah, super nice. Saw a couple of things that she did for Wonder Woman 77. And yeah. A kiss a little bit. comic, which was really interesting, and I'm actually really intrigued. Yeah, that's a unique concept, all right. Yeah, definitely. We talked a little bit about, I think, about her, like, Poison Ivy Yeah, thing. yeah. Neither of us have actually read any of her stuff, but... Yeah. Aside from, like, various Tumblr posts, my one real exposure to Poison Ivy was from the Nostalgia Critics review of, I think, Batman and Robin, in which Poison Ivy is imprisoned at the very end, and she just goes, curses. It's so cliched. But yeah, no, she's actually had a really kind of stunning resurgence along Harley Quinn in the past several years. We talked about why that might be the case and stuff. Yeah, Ivy's a cool character. I don't know as much on her as some of the other Batman villains out there. But I mean, Batman has so many good villains. It's kind of weird, honestly. Mm -hmm. I feel like at his darkest, Batman is probably a pretty good Batman villain. Yeah, that tracks tracks (laughs) with the uh, recent... DC event called Metal, where the primary antagonist was five evil alternate universe versions of Batman. Oh my god, seriously? Yeah. Okay, I feel like if not one, but five alternate universe versions of yourself are evil, you really need to take a hard look at your life and your choices. To be fair, there are also a lot of good alternate universe versions of Batman. All of those particular evil ones are from a... Thing called the Dark Multiverse, which are all universes where some particular DC event went terribly wrong and everything and everyone in them is awful and stuff. Okay, that's fair. But still, even so, we're getting off track. Yeah, so talk to Amy Chu. Who else did we talk to? We also saw for a little bit that one artist we talked to early on. Oh gosh. Neil Adams! Oh my god! I totally forgot! Oh wow! Yeah, we talked to Neil Adams. I kept wanting to say Peter David, and I'm like, no, that's someone totally different. (laughs) I don't know know where I got that from. Yeah, oh, I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah, you really really liked his Wonder Woman art. Yeah, no, he did such a great job of Gal Gadot's face. It was honestly so lifelike. It was so good. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that was, I don't think he was even drawing to match Gal Gadot's face in most of them, just. Wonder Woman's No, but there were those two hanging on, like, the back of his booth that were very clearly based on movie-verse Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot has a sort of face that is pretty distinct from comics Diana in a lot of cases, I think. Maybe. Like, I don't think they necessarily cast her because she's a dead ringer for Rucka's Diana. I mean, I think she looks the part really well. Rick Rucka's a writer. I mean, she does, but it's not like they didn't cast a lookalike is the thing yeah so well, i mean especially for wonder woman there's so many different artist renditions of her so yeah that's fair yeah that aside he was cool to talk to yeah you know, he likes the movie of... so he automatically wins in my book yep he also likes black panther shout yeah. out to vibranium uh armored rhinos and all that yeah he really appreciated that and i'm like you know what yeah that is Who doesn't cool... appreciate that honestly yeah yeah i just thought it was really funny that that was the part of the movie that he picked out to <laughs> really love yeah we also let's see we talked to one guy who was just an older comic book store owner. yeah torpedo comics was the booth um yeah, so we kind of got into it in las vegas what was his name like steve i think 
I honestly don't remember. You guys can tell if you're listening to this, I am not good with names. Yeah, and we were both really tired after the weekend, so very sorry, maybe Steve. Yeah, we should have taken notes, but we did. We really should have. Yeah, we did give him a business card though, so he or one of his business cards. He or one of his colleagues might be listening. (laughs) Oh gosh! And yes, we got into a good conversation about Captain America in particular, and I got put onto the trail of several other Captain America runs that I might like to read, like one from two thousand four, in which a British writer actually took his reins for a bit. That particular comic book store guy did not particularly like that run apparently yeah um, but or... i'm interested in checking it out because of my particular academic yeah interest. i think so, that would be interesting to yeah. see how a british yeah i am reserving out. judgment for the moment yeah so there's that i think that was before the true believers panel so i had to yeah that was that in the morning quick. and then in the afternoon we did a little bit more yeah while you were in the true believers panel i oh, talked yeah. to somebody from aftershock comics oh cool i can't say i've heard of them yeah they're another like smaller independent publisher they've got a couple of superhero titles oh Um, nice one of them is captain kid kid with one d that's by mark wade which is cool i I mean i like mark wade so i'll try to check that out at some point the premise of it is apparently like a reverse shazam where the main character is basically a middle-aged man who transforms into a teenage superhero what that's so funny yeah there was another one about like a girl who keeps trying to put herself in situations to get superpowers oh goodness like getting bit by bugs and stuff i don't remember the name of that one honestly and then they had a lot of other titles which were across a variety of other genres which is also really cool it's very interesting i think how comics as a medium have become a lot more diverse as far as the kind of things that are in them oh definitely i think that's something that existed well in the past before the comics code when they have horror comics and romance comics and stuff like archie and whatnot and then with the comics code and their particular restrictions some of them like horror ended up dying off for a while but i think now there's a lot of stuff coming from other companies that are everything from westerns to sci-fi to that's cool a lot of horror comics, which I'm not personally interested in, but it's cool that those exist. Yeah. And I mean, all that's kind of outside of the strict purview of this show, but generally, comics as a medium, I am in favor of greater variety in genres and creators and all that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, after you got back, we talked to Amy Chu. We mm-hmm. left her a business card. I don't know if she'll have time to listen to the show, but if she does, hi, uh, Amy. Hi. Hi. It was great to meet you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Yeah, and the Lion Forge. Um... Yep, Lion Forge was cool. Yeah, so we <laughs> oh, were God. we were going up our Sally. Like we said, we talked to um, Pepe Larraz and yeah, yeah, and we also passed by what was Javier, Javier Garon. Um, Garon. He was like yeah. at a neighboring booth and didn't come back in particular. Yeah, short he was busy, like, so we didn't really harass him. We passed yeah. by Jason Aaron's booth yeah, too, which but was cool. I think he was also busy, so yeah, we he were was observing. Yeah. I know he writes the Mighty Thor currently, yeah. but I don't know what else he. Yeah, I feel done. like I saw his name a lot this weekend alone, and I'm like, gosh, who is this yeah, guy? Yeah, he's pretty prolific. But, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and then as we were on our way out, wandering up and down our alley, I see Chris no, Claremont. No, I saw you it saw first. It. Yes, I saw you it saw first, it first, and I was like, oh, Chris Claremont, that's a name I recognize. Probably just from my various dives into superhero academia, and, and I'm then, like, oh, that's a yeah. name I recognize. And I was just like, okay, I will be honest, I have no idea how conventions usually work and their various celebrity guests and whatnot, but... 
My knowledge of Chris Claremont amounts to basically creating most of the most popular X-Men with his reboot of the series, introducing like Storm and Nightcrawler and Colossus and basically the entire like second generation there. And if that was actually someone else, I'm going to be incredibly embarrassed because I did not actually bother to look this up. But I know he's behind <laughs> some of the most famous and iconic X-Men stories, as well as other stuff that he's done, I'm sure. But the X-Men stuff is the stuff I actually yeah. know. Yeah, and I think his name would have popped up in an article on the X-Men that I was reading. That's probably how I recognize that name. And so I was like, wait, Chris Claremont is here and he's just kind of chilling in the corner of Artist Alley? Yeah, he was just gobsmacked a little bit. Yeah, and we actually got to talk to him and I was all like, yeah, I thought Chris Claremont would have been or a Or more reveal. accurately, it was more like he ended up talking a lot at us and this other guy. I got a couple words in edgewise, but I mostly just listened, honestly. And I realized pretty quickly that being primarily a movie fan, I was super out of my depth when it came to, like, comparatively obscure comics knowledge. And I was just like, yeah, let's not. I'm sure he knows exactly what he's talking about, even if I don't. Yeah, and he was talking about actually a story that he, I think, wrote that is coming up right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. About Kitty Pride and Colossus's upcoming marriage i guess yeah yeah and he was writing a flashback thing yeah like a whole i guess montage of kitty remembering various events throughout her history putting a lot of ghosts to rest and stuff yeah that was how he described it and it was kind of cool to hear him talk about that like various pieces of that x-men history which i'm admittedly a lot less familiar with like i mentioned Mm -hmm. before but Mm -hmm. familiar enough that i know that's pretty cool to see and there was some stuff i recognized like the giant bullet that kitty got trapped in which was you know one of the many pieces of her whole flashback thing Mm -hmm. and there was another guy there that it was also talking back and forth with and it kind of got around to an interesting discussion about the long term i I guess guess, viability of the passage of time in comics because I feel like his central point I think that was that's that... pretty much what it comes down to. He was talking about how like Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle getting married, and on the one hand, the practical implications of do Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle actually have an official wedding certificate or whatever you get for weddings? License? Marriage certificate, marriage yes. license. Yes, yes. I don't thing. think it's a certificate, but oh, no, I think it. Maybe in some countries it is. Yeah, and then he was like, okay, if some bad guy finds that, what are they going to put together? But Which it's I feel also... like it actually make for some interesting stories. Hopefully DC will actually And I mean, that. I'm sure it will. But he's also talking about how if you have your characters aging and all that, and you've got characters who used to be fairly young superheroes who are now like much older in later stages of life, they would be getting read by an older audience and the kids, you know, like a 12-year-old who's first getting into that wouldn't have any interest in that character, which I'm not 100% sure I agree with, honestly, but I sort of see where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, And I mean, what he was saying was that comics as an industry, having these characters growing up and becoming more adult will appeal more to adults, but less to kids. And sort of lose sight of what I guess he sees as a core audience of comics i.e. kids. Which is, to some extent, part of it. He also made the point that adults would be spending less money on comics because they have other expenses, but I feel like that is probably not true when I feel like adults would spend a lot more money on comics than kids would because they They have have, more disposable income. You know, in the end, adult fans are going to have more disposable income for that sort of thing. Yeah, well, although I would also say that adult fans 
interest is people are competing for shares of that interest like Netflix for example that's sort of something that's competing with comic books for people's interests and time and stuff so yeah I mean to yeah. an extent but I feel like there's a lot more competing for kids interest what with the entire toy industry and all that <laughs> But that aside, I think there's definitely something to be said for making sure that comics are still appealing to a younger audience. And as like every generation grows up, going from reading comics at a young age to becoming creators themselves, as well as just passing on their love for the medium to others, kind of get a more sustainable overall fandom than just appealing to one particular generation and then as they get older you have your comics written for older people without trying to capture a newer younger audience and yeah yeah. and i think there's honestly a pretty good balance you can strike between those if you look at how marvel's going right now there's some characters who are long established and are going through like various changes of one kind or another but at the same time there's that new generation of heroes like uh, miss marvel iron heart and miles and all that and those are appealing a lot to the younger kids as well Mm -hmm. and i don't know i kind of feel like claremont must realize that as at least some respect what with him wholesale creating a second generation of x-men and appealing to a new generation of fans that way but we only had time to talk with him for a little while Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to get his insight, but I'm sure like none of us got a full picture of yeah. necessarily what we were talking about there. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, yeah. And then at that point, I pretty much decided, oh, hey, it's five o'clock and my feet hurt really badly. So we kind yeah. of started wending yeah. our way towards the exit. I don't know. That pretty much sums things up. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many little things that go on at these conventions too, like really cool cosplays. It was a really cool event. I have... I think, like I mentioned, never been to a convention on anywhere near this scale. And it was really cool coming in with the particular aim of looking at stuff and developing content for the podcast. Just based yeah, on definitely. Kind of talking about what we're seeing there. Mm-hmm. You know, I would also like to see that Bendis and Miller panel. Which yeah, which is, somebody did record. So we'll yeah, be watching yeah. it at some point. Well, that seemed like a really cool conversation to yeah. sit and on. And unfortunately, it was at the same time as the Marvel New Media panel. So yeah. you had to pick and choose. I will confess, we are very Marvel heavy at this yeah. particular convention. But honestly, yeah, like... Yeah, well, Marvel was Marvel heavy at this particular convention. They had so much stuff going on. Yeah. DC had, you know, Bendis was pretty much the headliner. Yeah. Uh, so it would have been cool to get to that particular talk. But other than that, I didn't see a whole lot of DC-based panels that particularly stood out to me. Yeah. But hopefully with the next few, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about the uh, quote-unquote distinguished competition. (laughs) Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was real fun. I think we're both looking forward to... Whatever the next one ends up being. Yeah. Um, We're still figuring that out. Yeah. Many future fan conventions. Hopefully, like, as time goes on, maybe we'll be able to meet more of our own audience and maybe talk a little bit more with fans rather than just necessarily talking about the panels and stuff that we saw. Yeah, and just talking into our personal smartphone microphones and stuff about our reactions to things. Yeah, in this iteration, we were very much there as fans Mm -hmm. and just kind of relaying stuff to other fans. I think it would be cool to be there with a 
perspective of meeting with other fans and kind of sharing their own thoughts from the convention as well. Yeah. But I mean, of course, again, this was the day before we dropped our first episode. Yeah. So it was very much a sort of, <laughs> I realized when exactly it was happening and I was like, uh, this is too good of an opportunity. We can't miss this. Yeah. So yeah, it was much more promotional in spirit for us, but yeah, but hopefully we C2E2 can 2019. To, yeah. And other things too. But yeah, definitely. Very much enjoy the convention. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to the next one, but only after a long rest period. <laughs> definitely. Although we're doing our own podcast, there's really not going to be much of a rest period for anything. Huh. What have we got between the convention? Between, no, between the conventions, at least we'll have. Some, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So All yeah, right. I think that's a good note on which to wrap things up. I would say so. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. And hopefully we'll see you at another convention eventually. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> that's it for this episode of Yelling About Superheroes. For more yelling, you can follow us on Twitter at YellinABTSupers. Or check out our website at anchor.fm slash yelling-about-superheroes. You can also visit Whitney's blog at whitneythompson.wordpress.com, where we post our reading lists for each episode. We're now on iTunes, which is exciting, so if you're an iTunes listener, don't forget to subscribe there, and please rate the show and leave us a review. It'll help us in store rankings, and we always love feedback. We're also on Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Our theme music was composed by Rodrigo Vicente. You can listen to more of his work at hooksounds.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.